Hard Feelings by Mark Coggins is a bang bang thrill ride, says best-selling author Seth Harwood, who adds that the lead character of Winnie is a female Jack Reacher. Find it in ebook or trade paperback wherever books are sold. In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com. Chapter 15 Reardon What the fuck is that supposed to mean? Asked Winnie. I tugged at her jacket, pulling her back from the edge of the pool. For someone who was so keen on torturing the winemaker's men for answers, you hung up on Oz there pretty quickly without waiting for any. That's what it means. Do you understand what just happened? He was going to remote control me into killing us both. If I hadn't been wearing Ray's magic underwear, he would have succeeded. Yep, I said nodding my head. I got that. Good thing I insisted you go back to your hotel room this morning to put it on, even though you said no one would, quote, monitor my fucking signals at the fucking whorehouse, unquote. Yeah, yeah. And what do we say when someone makes a helpful suggestion that ends up saving our life as well as his own? We say that a broken clock is, exactly, and you're welcome. Now, if I may make another suggestion, why don't you start searching the cabana for clues to the winemaker's location? While you do what? I'm going to update the girls, make sure they aren't flailing the hide off Starlet and the Johns, and generally try to batten down the hatches in case Oz did call for help. She narrowed her eyes at me, no doubt pondering the idea of me spending more unsupervised time with the women. Maybe we should trade assignments. I don't think so. You're better with computers and whatnot. And I'm not entirely sure you won't join the girls in the flailing. Winnie grunted. Okay, but lock the front gate first thing. And don't let Starlet go. She's the one person I do intend to question. Yes, boss. I wanted to broach the topic of her wounded leg again but was pretty certain she'd shut me down. Go, she urged. I bit off the question and jogged around the pool to the door of the main building. I found the girls much as I'd left them, except that Starlet had joined the line of hog-tied bodies on the floor. She tried to say something through her gag when she saw me. Jasmine, who was still brandishing Winnie's shotgun, put a slippered foot to the back of Starlet's head and forced it to the ground. Hush up, bitch, she said. Oz, I announced, has been dealt with. I hope dealt with means torn from limb to limb. The Peckerwood had his way with all of us multiple times while he was testing out the programming. And testing and retesting, put in one of the other girls. I licked my lips. I couldn't help but feel I was being judged by my sex. Yeah, well, I think you'd approve. Winnie helped him into a headfirst dive in the deep end of the pool. The deep end of the empty pool, said Jasmine. 
That would be the one. Then you're damn right I approve. I figured that girl for a hellcat when I saw her. You figured right. Listen, I'm going out to secure the front gate. Hold the fort here for a while longer, and then we can decide what to do about all of this. I gestured to the men and starlet on the floor. I've got some ideas. That's what I'm afraid of. I started to leave but turned back. Say, do you have the keys to any of the vehicles these gentlemen were driving? Sure, we got their keys, their wallets, their cell phones, their condom packets, and their fake Rolexes. Can I borrow a set? A redhead in a black satin bustier reached into a wooden bowl on a sideboard and pulled out a key fob. She glanced down at the make. How about a BMW? An SUV by the looks of it. Perfect. She tossed it over to me. I snagged it mid-flight and hurried out of the lounge, down the corridor to the front room, where I had to dodge broken glass, congealing blood, and glistening bits of viscera on my way to the front door. Outside, I clicked the unlock button on the fob, which I realized for the first time was on a ring with a rental car tag. A gleaming X-5 chirped and flashed its parking lights in response. I backed it away from the building and then barreled across the lot, angling for the entrance. As I approached, I saw the gate, essentially a segment of the barbed-wired top chain-link fence bolted to wheels, had already been rolled across the opening. Probably the guard had closed it before leaving for his showdown with Winnie. On the other side of the gate, Crouched behind the open door of a pickup that was angled across the roadway was a male figure dressed in jeans and a plaid shirt. The crown of his baseball hat peaked just over the roof line. I swung to a stop about ten yards away, leaving the passenger side of the BMW to him. I eased open the door and crept over to the rear tire to peer around the back, holding my Glock just out of sight. We're closed, I yelled. Get lost. The man in the plaid shirt said nothing, but hunkered down further behind the truck. I saw the gleaming barrel of a handgun flash through the door window as he moved. So much for the idea that he might be a customer. Give it up, I said. You're too late. A three count went by. You're lying. I'll spell it out for you. The guard, the bouncer, the bartender, and Oz are all dead. The women are free. Starlet and the customers are tied up. Maybe you're alone. Maybe you're the only one left standing and you're trying to bluff me. I cursed under my breath. I was trying to decide what I could say to convince him, or if it was just simpler to start shooting, when Winnie's electrified voice jumped out of the guard shack. Apparently, she'd found an intercom system in the cabana. Listen, shithead. She barked. There are plenty of us left. Come ahead. The crime scene cleaners will be wet vacuuming your pancreas off the asphalt by nightfall. The man in the plaid shirt remained silent for another moment. Then he ducked into the truck cab and started the motor. He K-turned away from the fence and zoomed up the road to the freeway. I returned to the BMW and moved it forward parking it behind the gate as I had originally intended. 
I wanted it there as an additional barrier in case the winemaker's men tried to crash through. Hey, said Winnie's disembodied voice from the guardhouse. Yes, ma'am. Get the hell back here. I found something I want to show you. I opened the half door to the guardhouse and stepped inside. I could see Winnie on a monitor attached to the wall. A red light on a video camera glowed just below it, leading me to think she could see me too. What about the other guy? Starlet said there were two guys, remember? If they didn't come together, I doubt the other's going to show by himself. He may be gathering even more reinforcements. There's an alarm system and video cameras all the way up to the freeway, so we'll have some warning, but I don't want to hang around here any longer than necessary. So, like I said, yeah, yeah, get the hell back there. All right, I'm going to put up a note to dissuade any legitimate customers, and I'll be right with you. Legitimate, my ass, she said, and then she was gone. I hunted around for some paper and a pen. On a sheet I tore from a clipboard, I wrote, Closed due to herpes outbreak. Come back next week. And scotch taped it to the fence. I jogged across the parking lot, continued through the main building, ignoring requests from several of the girls, and out the rear door to the cabana. I found Winnie staring at one of the computers at the back of the room. I heard a male voice issue from a speaker and thought she was watching a video until I got a clear look at the screen. It showed a darkened office or cubbyhole with rough plaster walls. Beyond a short section of desk, hunched in an electric wheelchair like a curled-up daddy long legs, was a man I recognized with a start. He had shaved his head. He looked older and wizened, but he had the same gangly limbs, the same flat nose, and the same thin-lipped, grim-looking mouth. Winnie had taken it upon herself to Skype the winemaker. Prevent venereal diseases and provide comfort to soldiers, he was saying in his high-pitched voice. It's forced prostitution, snapped Winnie. Here, in the land of the free, said the winemaker. Perhaps, but in Yemen or Nigeria, where we are fighting Islamic terrorists? No one will object to using the enemy's women in this way. We will use their propaganda against them. He paused. Who walked in behind you? Never mind. Just know that Oz is dead and the bridle bit is shut down. You're not going to win. The winemaker's smile was like a crack in an ice cube. Ted said something very much like that to me once. Winnie lurched forward to yell at the screen. You're not allowed to call him that. I reached down for the mouse and clicked every Skype button I could find until the video call was terminated. I put a steadying hand on Winnie's shoulder, but she slapped it away. She stared up at me defiantly. I waited a long moment, then asked as calmly as I could, What was he telling you when I came in? His justification for the bridal bit? Yeah, it's like I said. He and Donovan planned to use the technology for military applications. One of their warped ideas is comfort stations for soldiers. Like the Japanese in World War II? Exactly. 
He was particularly expansive about the idea of turning the jihadist reward of 72 virgins on its ear. Instead of the terrorists getting 72 virgins, his men get a thousand Islamic women. I see. This may be a sensitive question, but may I ask why you were talking to him in the first place? She turned back to the computer and began banging on the keyboard to find his location. How? I figured that Oz had to talk to the winemaker some way, and Skype is as good as any. When I saw that Skype was installed on this computer, I went through the contacts list. And you found him listed. But what did you hope to accomplish by calling him? Hold on. He wasn't in the listings exactly. I found a cryptic entry that I thought could be his. I called it to trace the IP address. When you make a call on Skype, you establish a connection between your computer and the receiver. And while that connection is open, it's possible to use a system utility to get the address. I'm not much of a computer person, but even I knew IP addresses were unique identifiers for computers and other devices on the Internet. And I also knew that once you had an address, you could associate it with a physical location. So you know where he is. I know where his computer is anyway. Healdsburg, California. You have been listening to No Hard Feelings, a finalist for the Forward Reviews Book of the Year Award. Find it in ebook or trade paperback wherever books are sold. In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com. Thank you.